For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Your cousin from Boston. New Sam Adams Wicked Easy is light and wicked easy to drink. Which means it's wicked easy to call up some buddies for a little day sesh. So, wicked sorry I'm late. Sam Adams Wicked Easy. Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. You are listening to The Kelly Green Show. B-A-T-L-E-S-E-O's! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run faster. And that's this team. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show on the Eagles Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, Football Kelly. The draft is over. We now know what the Eagles 2021 schedule looks like and the anticipation for the next season of Eagles football is beginning to build again. There is a lot to discuss and I am so excited to have my next guest on the podcast to go over all of that today. Philly voice reporter and stick figure extraordinaire, Jimmy Kemsky. Hey Jimmy, how are you doing today? Hello football Kelly. Just uh, so your listeners know, I'm in the car. To be here like radar detectors or people honking at me or like me screaming profanities. That's what that's what that's all about. So, hey, multitasking at its finest. I love it. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> you got to see the new rookies uh, in action last week. What stuck out to you about this group of players? Well, sort of. We got to see them. We didn't get to actually see the practice. They didn't let us uh, stay for the actual practice portion of it. We got to watch them stretch and warm up and do some uh, individual drills. Um, but we didn't actually get to see them practice like we normally would. Uh, they cut us off from that this, this year for some reason. But anyway, uh, my takeaways from what we were able to see was that, uh, A, Landon Dickerson was out there, which surprised me a little bit. And he was moving around and doing some stuff. Of course, he's only, I guess uh, – we're May 17th right now, so we're about a little less than five months removed from when he tore his uh, ACL in the SEC championship game in, like, mid-December. So uh, he was out there and he was doing stuff, which I think is a good sign for uh, his uh, uh, recovery. And the other obvious thing was, you know, we all were looking to identify uh, Devontae Smith. Like I said, like, all the, as soon as all the reporters walked out on the field, everyone looked for him immediately, obviously. Um, and man, he is skinny, like, like the weight and the the height weight profile, uh, definitely do match like what he looks like in person. Obviously we've all seen plenty of highlight reels of him. We could see that he's skinny or whatever, but uh, it was our first glimpse of him, uh, in person. I'm not really that concerned about that in terms of his long-term, uh, you know, prospects of, of being a good player in the NFL, but it is just sort of like, uh, an initial, physical observation of the guy 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. I saw the pictures. Everybody was kind of commenting on it for sure. Uh, just in comparison to the other players who were out there, he, he, his weight does stand out to you for sure. Um, I know that you didn't get to see much of the practice per se, uh, but you have seen the Eagles and covered several different coaching staffs uh, since you've yep. been uh, on your beat. So any first impressions of Sirianni and the coaching staff and how they were interacting with these guys uh, while they were out there? Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I covered during Andy, Chip, Doug, and now Nick. And uh, the one thing that I'll say about Nick is like, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, he's kind of like the first coach that is a little bit like unassuming, I guess, like in practice, like they're, they're like, I think every coach that I've covered so far, like you can't miss them on the field. Like, you, like it's, it's like one of the first human beings you actually notice when you step out onto the field, like Andy, obviously you can't miss him. He kind of couldn't miss Chip because he was kind of all over the place. Doug just sort of had that. You know, Doug's like kind of a big guy, really. Kind of had like that commanding presence. And uh, yeah, Nick was a little harder to find. So that's sort of like my initial observation of him. I thought he kind of had like a, a savvy move uh, early in practice. He came over and gave all the uh, reporters fist bumps. Uh, so that'll earn him some uh positive press with some folks <laughs> like treat treat uh media like a like like they're human beings a little bit and and uh you know some people will, will uh they're kind of right favorably about you so i thought that was a, a savvy move by by nick uh early in his tenure here but um I, I did see him working with some of the individual uh positional groups when they were going through their individual drills like actually coaching football which you know obviously isn't out of the ordinary i think doug normally hung out near the quarterbacks because that's sort of his background. Uh, I saw Nick kind of hanging around the uh, wide receiver area for an extended period of time, which makes sense because the first round pick is obviously a wide receiver. And uh, that's sort of his background as well. So, yeah, I mean, nothing too major in terms of initial observations, but, uh, you know, just doesn't have, or maybe it's just a matter of like, it's the first practice I've ever seen of him, but uh, didn't really notice him like as obviously as I did the other three coaches I've covered. Well, that makes sense. But did any of the other coaching staff, uh, you know, catch your attention at all? I mean, we are still trying to learn more about what Gannon will be like for the defense and uh, the quarterback coach. Like any anybody that you saw out there, like stand out to you? No, not really. The one thing I will say, though, is I wonder why they didn't let us watch practice like was it a matter of like they don't want us to write bad things about the rookies right off the bat which i think would be is a little ridiculous like nobody's going to do that uh or is it just a matter of they don't want us to see any kind of glimpse whatsoever of what uh jonathan gannon's defense is going to look like because obviously this is his first um nfl job uh, as a defensive coordinator so there's maybe a, a tiny bit of mystery in terms of what kind of scheme he's going to run and you know, again, it's just a rookie camp, so you're not going to, like, you're not going to be showing anything, all that, uh, you know, revealing anyway. But uh, we didn't even get sort of a first glimpse of what this defense is going to look like. So maybe that was the reasoning for not letting us in. But uh, as far as, like, the positional coaches and, and you know, any, any like, uh, you know, like, noteworthy observations, I would say that uh, 
yeah, not really. Because <laughs> again, like we didn't even get to watch the practice. It was really just kind of like the, the basic individual drills. Totally understand that. I appreciate you uh, trying to answer the question. It is hard to get a sense of what a coach is going to be like from just watching players stretching. So yeah, I, I, do, I do understand where you're coming from with that, that answer. Um, I've personally seen a decrease in how we hate since the draft. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I think he had a good draft. I mean, even beyond just the players that they picked, I think his um, pre-draft and during draft maneuvering was outstanding, frankly. Like, I thought he did a good – I thought that it made sense for them to move back from 6 to 12 initially before the draft it, it, on the condition that, like, they didn't think that they were going to be able to get a quarterback that they weren't in love with. And, of course – as soon as they moved back, there was that report by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network who quickly deleted his report uh, via Twitter. But it basically said that the Eagles were looking to get up to try to get Zach Wilson. But once it became clear that they were going to be unable to do that, they moved out from 6 to 12. Obviously, they picked up the 2022 first-round pick from the Dolphins uh, in the process. Clearly, they didn't think uh, enough of uh, Justin Fields. Because uh, they could have obviously taken him instead of Devontae Smith at pick number ten, they passed on that. Said they took the wide receiver. So yeah, I can understand if they didn't like love any of the quarterbacks that they felt would be available at six, they'd move out, get that extra pick. But then also, I thought their read, his read on what was going to happen at picks ten, eleven, whatever, was on the money. Like so, when I looked at the Giants roster, you know, I looked at their wide receiver position. They have Kenny Galladay. Who they spent a ton of money on in free agency. They have Darius Slayton, who's had a you know good first two years in the NFL. They have Sterling Shepard, who's you know a quality slot receiver. They took a flyer on John Ross this offseason as sort of a speed guy, fourth receiver. So in my mind, like I didn't think like wide receiver made a lot of sense for them in the first round. And I mean, if it were me, like I might have just I might have just sat there and waited for Devontae Smith to come to me. But I think they 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 made the right decision. By going up to get him, actually, I probably would have traded up to because two the two corners were gone already, and Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, and then two of the top three receivers were gone in Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, of course. It. Yeah, so they went up. It. I thought the cost was fine. Like they gave up a little bit, like on the trade value chart, like the eighty fourth overall pick, which is what it cost to move up from twelve to ten, was valued, I think, at one hundred seventy points. And the difference between the 10th pick and the 12th pick was valued at 100 points. So they paid a little bit of a premium to move up. But they got the last, you know, target. Like, it was the last of, like, their premium targets, uh, either the corner or the wide receiver position. So I think they did the right thing to get to get back up. And ultimately, they wind up with a player, Devontae Smith, who has a – probably, I mean, in my mind, he's going to lead the Eagles in receiving. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to lead the, the uh, Eagles in receptions and yards. Like, almost certainly. Like, because who else would it be? And yeah, no you know, they obviously had a, they had a huge need at the position uh, and he gives them, you know, some immediate juice. Like it gives, I mean, from, from just a fan perspective, like he gives the fans a reason to watch, like to, to be excited about, about the start of the season, just one more player that I could maybe like be a stud in the NFL. And, you know, like I said, they, they walk away with that, with uh, the, the Dolphins 2022 pick and they only had to give up the, the, the second of their two third round picks to move up to do so. So I thought, his maneuvering was masterful in, uh, in being able to, to do those, to accomplish those two things. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm very much a critic of Howie, and I couldn't muster up enough hate for him to <laughs> bash his decision-making on that one. So I'm totally in agreement with you on on your evaluation of, of what the fan base is feeling on that because, you know, it was like nonstop Howie hate before the draft, and then we just saw everybody I'm, kind of move to the... Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, it was interesting to see how the fan base kind of reacted to the decisions that he made. And, you know, there's a lot more that we could probably nitpick and talk about and say, you know, he didn't do this or he didn't do that. So uh, we'll we'll figure out another way to, you know, bring up the hate again at some point or another. Um, I have this segment on my podcast called the Kelly Green Lightning Round. It's quick questions, fun answers, kind of keep you on your toes. Sound good? Yeah, I, I, my my first few answers have been very long-winded. So, yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go rapid fire. All right. Uh, how long does it typically take you to draw your stick figures? So if they're animated, they take a little longer. But just to, just to bang out a quick drawing, I mean, I can, I can do that in under five minutes at this point. Because you've got like a template, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do something often enough, uh, you can you can you know you can bang them out pretty quick. Like even the animated ones, they take uh, like I said, take a little longer. But like a, if I were to do like a basic animated one, like just a guy like waving or something like that, you know that that's not going to take any more than ten minutes. Obviously, the the quarterback factory thing that I did, yeah, um, that took. You know, like hours and hours. Like that took probably like the initial one took. It took probably like six hours, I would say. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, though. Um, (laughs) What's been the weirdest or funniest thing to come from doing Zoom interviews with Eagles players for the last year? Yeah, you know, there haven't really been any incidents. Like, I don't know if you saw the, uh, you know, like the, the. the, some of the court Zoom conference things with like yes the uh, the guy who had the cat face and then <laughs> more recently the guy who had uh, a very uh, uh, like not okay for court oh, the name, name? yeah <laughs> yeah the, the judge that was, called him out on that that was so bad we <laughs> we haven't had anything like that on the Eagles beat as far as I know or at least I, if they did I missed it. So I wish I had a better answer for you on this, but there really hasn't been anything totally out of the ordinary or funny about these Zoom conferences since since we've started them. Like I mean, I have I mean I have tons of examples of you know funny things that have happened during press conferences and whatever. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of like boring and and uneventful <laughs> on these on these Zoom conferences for the most part. Yeah, it, it's kind of you don't get to see behind the curtain in that particular yeah, circumstance. Sure. So I understand. Um, Wentz is still on the banner outside of the link. What player's photo should replace him before the season begins? Is he? I didn't realize. So you're like, you mean you talk about like when you're driving on 95 and you're looking yeah. at the stadium? I drove okay. past it yesterday. I took a picture of it. I tweeted it. I was like, Wentz is still there. <laughs> so is so, it just him or is there another player there already it's, too? it's just him a very big banner of him throwing a football i don't think it's going to be jalen hurst um in fact it's been weird that they haven't 
featured him in that way in certain like circumstances. Yeah, like, not for even example, on the just, schedule. They just put the schedule out, and they had like five players on that, and he wasn't one of them. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if it'll be. It'll probably be Fletcher Cox. I would imagine. Like Fletcher yeah. Cox is the guy that he like. You know, it was Jeff McLean had reported that uh, you know there's a big like fathead picture or poster or whatever of Wentz <laughs> in his office. There's also one of Fletcher Cox in there. So uh, yeah, Fletcher Cox is probably the the biggest name, I guess, uh, on the team at this point. So I, I would imagine it'll be him. Okay. The savvy move would maybe put uh, maybe put uh, Jason Kelsey up there for his last year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would favorites. say Kels- Kel- Kelsey or Cox. Okay, that's, those are good answers. I like those. Uh, if you had to guess what one of the first round picks the Eagles have in 2022 is going to be the earliest we select, Colts Dolphins are our own. I'll rank them Eagles. Okay. Dolphins. Colts. Okay. Fair enough. I think the Dolphins have a chance to be bad, by the way. Yeah. For two reasons. People one, are being very optimistic after the schedule release. <laughs> oh, about their – I don't know what their schedule looks like. I mean, their, their division's going to be better than it was last year. Like, the Bills um, – I mean, if they can sustain what, what they were last year, then, you know, obviously they're a tough team. Patriots are going to be better than they were last year, and the Jets are going to be better than they were last year. So, mm-hmm. Tua doesn't, like, do that much for me as a quarterback. I thought he did not play that. I started taking a look – like, a little bit of a look at him more recently just to see, like, what he actually looked like last year. I was not impressed. And then the other thing with them, too, is they had that defense that I think uh, caught some teams off guard last year. Definitely. for sure, offenses are going to have a better plan on how to attack that or maybe better stated, have a better uh, sort of um, plan on on how to sort of thwart the Dolphins' defensive attack. Because, I mean, they they came at you from, like, all different angles uh, last season, created a lot of turnovers. So I think, like their turnovers are almost certain to kind of come down a little bit, like their takeaways, yeah. that is. So, yeah, I mean, those two things kind of make me think that their record, is, like, they're, they're due for, what did they go, 10-6 and six last year? And they didn't make the playoffs. Right. But I think they went 10-6. and six. I'd be shocked if they if they still only lost. Like, if they went, like, 11-6, and six, like, that'd be shocking to me. I think they're they're probably, like, a, I'd have them at, like, 8-9 and nine right now. Okay. Not making the playoffs. Okay. But you think the Eagles will be worse than them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Eagles are... Uh, I, I had I had the... Brandon and I just uh, uh, did a uh, schedule prediction podcast, and uh, uh, I had he had him at 8 and 9. I had him at 6 and 11. Okay. I think those are reasonable given we don't have (laughs) a ton of answers uh on the roster so one more question on the lightning round what are your odds of Ertz being on the 2021 53 man roster uh i would say they're extraordinarily low so uh, i mean all along all off season it's been sort of a given that he's been that he's like gonna be he's not gonna be on this team this year and i've heard nothing uh, to sort of go against that to this point. I mean, the only argument that for him to maybe be on the team is that he's still on the team. So I can, like, they haven't done anything with him yet. Right. Uh, the one thing that I, the one thing that I think, I think the date to watch here is June 1st, because if they trade him or release him uh, after June 1st, they get additional savings in uh, this year. I mean, 
there's no free lunch in the NFL with the salary cap. So the dead money hit. Well, the, I mean, the Eagles will take that in full over time. It's just a matter of uh, they'll be able to push some of that off to 2022. I forget the exact number, what it is off the top of my head uh, in the car here, but it's somewhere in the ballpark of like $4 million extra that they would save this year by doing by doing something with him after that June 1st date. So that would be sort of the, the time to, to look at um, as far as doing something. Because there's no point in doing anything with him now for the like, next two weeks. Right. There's no point because free agency is already coming on. The draft is already coming on. Um, but, yeah, I would say you're not going to see any activity there at all for the next two weeks. But once that June 1st date comes along, that's when I will, that's when I will look for him to get moved. In in my heart, I almost was hoping that Brent Sel- he would become the Brent Selleck to his <laughs> younger career for Dallas Goddard, but I understand that it's a business, and he you know potentially wants to move on to make money somewhere else and maybe yeah. make more money than he would make here. So uh, I certainly understand uh, that part of the situation. So thank you so much for participating in the Kelly Green Lightning Round. Speaking of the fifty three man roster. I know uh, that you wrote up and I read this way too early 53-man roster projection on the phillyvoice.com. You had the Eagles adding a veteran cornerback. I agree. I think we certainly have a big question mark across from Slay uh, at CB2. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say that same um, premise applies that I just talked about with with, uh, Ertz in that that June 1st date is another one to watch because that's when other teams around the league could potentially be getting rid of, you know, veteran players, especially like so many teams are, you know, have less cap space to work with than they, than they otherwise would in normal years because of the, because COVID kind of screwed everything up last year. Um, so, I mean, there are plenty of teams that, that are looking to maybe free up some cap space, I would think. So again, after that June 1st date, there could be some veterans around the league uh, not necessarily just a corner, but at all different positions where, uh, you know, guys are getting released or traded uh, because it'll afford those teams more of a savings immediately than later. And then, of course, you know, the Eagles are uh, they're positioned this year differently than they have been in other seasons in terms of the waiver wire. So we already saw them pick up on Johnson off the waiver wire because their, their order in the waiver process is sixth this year because they finished 4-11-1 last year. Normally, you know, like when they make the playoffs, they're like, you know, anywhere in the 20s or 30s in the uh, waiver order, and they don't have a chance at like a guy like that. For example, I think there was a report that you know, the Dolphins had put in a claim on on Johnson. So the Eagles had never been able to claim him if they had made the playoffs last year. So right. I think, you know, just watching, you know, if guys are going to get waived or whatever, then, uh, you know, the Eagles would have a better chance at uh, landing those type of guys than they would in other years because they're so high up in the waiver process. So I wouldn't put it like I had them in that 53-man projection that you're talking about. I think I had them picking up Gary on Conley from uh, – you're an Ohio State fan, right? If I recall. Uh, no, I'm not. Who <laughs> uh, am confusing you with? Um, I know that there's definitely a lot of Ohio State fans – uh, Somebody was a big Zeke fan, like the 2016 <laughs> year that, that contributed to BGN, I think. Okay. Uh, oh my, um, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, th- I think <laughs> I know who you're talking about, but I don't want to say a name and then be wrong. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, 
yeah yes, so that, anyway I, I, that's, that's who you had in your projection was uh was conley which i think it's, would it's make weird sense. that he's still available it, it, it's, it's weird that he's still available like he was yeah, i know he had some injuries last year that's probably why nobody's picked him up but i mean i mean haven't even heard him be, be mentioned as like you know teams having interest in him along the way so yeah no, i don't know what's going on there but there. But I'm with you that they're gonna they're gonna pick up somebody. I mean, they have to. They can't go into the season with you know the CB two competition being between you know Craig James, Monte Maddox, and Zach McPherson. Like that's just like I mean, we all know that like they're not going to be good this year. They're not going to be Super Bowl contenders at least. But you kind of can't go into a season with you know those three guys as your potential answers as your yeah. your starting opposite. You know, your starting cornerback opposite Slay. It's not ideal at all at the current moment, but we're not playing games yet, so we'll stay a little patient on that particular roster spot. Definitely something that we will have to watch in coming months. Uh, yeah. What's your biggest takeaway from how the NFL arranged the 2021 Eagles schedule? Yeah, I mean, for me, I look at it. I always look at the NFL schedule from a selfish perspective because, <laughs> like, I go to the You're like, when am I working? <laughs> But yeah, exactly. The first thing I look for is like, are, am I going to be in like Detroit on Thanksgiving? So I avoided that, which was nice. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest thing that stuck out is they don't board a plane for the last eight weeks of the season, which like I, that's unheard of. Like I've never seen that happen before, anything close to it. And they have a lot of travel like early in the season. But even then, it's not that bad because their road trips this year, like the furthest they go is Denver and Las and, and, and Las Vegas, of course. But beyond that, like they're the, the games where they actually have to board a flight are like you know Detroit, Carolina, Atlanta. I forget the other one. Anyway, but like the, all those flights are like oh Dallas, right? Of course, yeah. So Dallas is like three hours. Denver, Las Vegas, they're the ballpark like four or five hours. You know, Atlanta's like a little more than two. Carolina's like you know an hour and a half of that. Detroit's pretty close. So their travel is pretty easy this year. They have the two road games against the Giants and the Jets, of course. They're back-to-back. Their bye week is really late. And there was an interview by, I forget where, where it was, but somebody interviewed uh, Jason Kelsey. And uh, Kelsey was like, dude, 13 straight games. <laughs> like, that's rough. Like, having a, a week 14 bye. You'd rather have it late in the season than really early in the season, like we saw in 2016 when – you know, they, they started out 3-0, and and then that buy almost kind of did more harm than good because it kind of slowed their momentum, and it just came early. Like, it didn't come. Has, as there, the, ever been, has there ever been a Week 14 buy before this? I feel like this, this is new with the the its week of the season. So this, there was, like, I never heard of people having this late of a buy. There was one year they only had 31 teams. Um, I want to say that was, like, early 90s. So there had to be a bye week every week. Like, so there was a team that had a bye week week one. There was a team that had a bye week oh, week 17 that year. So, yeah, that, that's happened before. Um, but, yeah, week four, week 14 is really late. I, I mean, obviously. I mean, you come, you come off that bye and then, you know, you only have uh, uh, four games <laughs> like after that bye. So it's going to be a rough stretch, you know, getting to that bye. But, again, like I said, it's better to have it late than early. It's just a matter of like, is it too late? And you, you, like last year, I thought it fell in like the perfect spot because it was like right in the middle of the season. It was like nice and symmetrical. So they played their first eight games. Week nine was their bye, and then they played their last 
arcade games. But uh, I think like the closer to the middle that you can get skewing toward the end is is better. But yeah, I mean, having it that late, it can sort of is like an oddball scenario. Definitely. And um, I did think it was interesting that we're really backloaded on the divisional games. I mean, last year was pretty much like that, too. But I feel like it's even more so the case for this year. Uh, Basically, all of our games after the buy are divisional games. Yeah, it's been a weird trend with their schedules recently, for sure. Yeah, so I guess it'll uh, keep things interesting in the NFC East uh, as we try to figure out who's going to take it next year because it kind of is always up in the air every season. Um, The Eagles are always kind of thrown into trade rumors and speculation online. From the conversations that you've had, are the Eagles set on giving Jalen Hurts a chance to prove himself as the capable starter next season? I mean, you got to wonder because, I mean, like like we mentioned before, they just haven't, like, <laughs> they haven't gone out of their way to sort of promote him as a player just from a PR perspective. And then also, like, they haven't definitively said he's the starter. Like, they just avoid that question completely. And they can throw out the, the nonsense, like, uh, well, I've, you know, there's going to be competition everywhere. Like, oh, really? Like, really, Jason Kelsey's going to compete for his center? There's, like, a starting center? Really? Like, so, like, there's there's definitely a difference between Jalen Hurts and, like, other players on the roster in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, they haven't thrown their full support behind him. And the smoke is sort of building on the Deshaun Watson rumors. Like, I don't know if that's possible in any way this year. Certainly next year. They have the draft capital that, that, that we've all talked about, the three first-round picks potentially that they could use to, you know, trade for like a star veteran quarterback that's unhappy in a situation. So that's certainly something to watch. And, you know, while I think that ultimately they're not going to make a deal for a guy uh, this year and that Jalen Hurts will have a chance to prove that he can be the starting quarterback going forward, as of right now, I think it's pretty clear that they have not thrown their full support behind him just yet. And it is interesting that you are seeing it that way. I personally am seeing them, you know, move up to take a wide receiver who has experience with their quarterback and uh, not taking Justin Fields at 10 kind of suggests that maybe they don't like him as a prospect, but that they had more confidence in Jalen Hurts potentially. Um, and then on top of that, it's kind of like, you know, second round, you thought they were definitely going to go defensive player and they take an offensive lineman. So in my mind, it's almost like, okay, the back-to-back picks in the draft were offensive players that could definitely be a long-term answer to helping the quarterback get, you know, acclimated. And they're both from Bama. Like he, has experience with both of them. Right, um, right. So I, it was interesting to me to see the different offseason moves that the Eagles have made um, when it comes to Jalen Hurts. It's more so uh, believe what I do and not what I say kind of mentality with him. And I don't think personally he has uh, thin skin. He He's ready to compete for the job if they give him the opportunity. So... Um, I don't think that any of the press conference answer questions, you know, 
really phase him at this point. If they're giving him a chance to be the starter, he's going to take that opportunity. Uh, so I'm hoping that that's the case for sure. Uh, I definitely to- agree with his intangible point that you make there. Where like he, like he's he he he, he, he seems to tune all that kind of stuff out, and yes. um, and I think his mental makeup is what you want uh, from a quarterback for sure. I I, cert- I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, so I guess my my next question kind of ties into all of that. Um, has the Eagles front office done enough this offseason to give him a true chance to be the long-term quarterback, assuming he is the starter in 2021? Because the knock has been that the Eagles front office basically failed Carson Wentz uh, in some ways. So uh, have, have they done enough this offseason with what they were able to do to – to give him a true opportunity to prove himself as a capable guy. Um, yeah, I want to answer the, the, the other part of that. Oh, it wasn't part of the question, but I do want to comment on the, uh, the part about, you know, the Eagles failed Carson Wentz. So I, I'm not of that mindset, personally speaking, that they that the Eagles failed him. Like certainly they didn't, um, like he didn't have good receivers to throw to, like unquestionably, but it wasn't without, um, you know, trying like they, they took a uh, wide receiver in the second round of the 2019 draft, obviously, in JJ Arthago Whiteside. They took a wide receiver in the first round of the 2020 draft. They brought in Deshaun right. Jackson in free agency. So it wasn't without, you know, effort. And they, have, of course, surrounded him with Zach Ertz and with Dallas Goddard. And they drafted, you know, a, a good running back in, in the second round in, in Miles Sanders, of course. They, he played behind one of the best offensive lines. Uh, in the NFL throughout really almost the entirety of his career in Philadelphia. Obviously, we saw a lot of those guys get hurt in 2020. So, and then even like, this is kind of like a, a side point, but you look at the number of like guys that they drafted that were represented by the same agent as him. <laughs> it's out of control. Like they drafted so many guys that like were from the same agency as Wentz and, you know, guys that they felt that you know, he, would, he would gel with and get along with. And, for you know, it just didn't work out. And, you know, certainly um, a lot, there was a lot to blame from the 2020 season, from the scheme of the offense, from injuries to, you know, whatever you want to call it. But also, you know, Wentz certainly had a big hand in why the team was, was not good in 2020. Cause he was, he did not perform well uh, no in doubt. his own right. And no then, doubt. Uh, as far as like, did they do enough this off season? Well, they're hamstrung clearly because they mismanaged the cap for years, and you know, COVID comes along, and the you know the the teams or every team in the league, their salary cap is knocked down to what was it one hundred seventy six million when it was projected to be you know well over two hundred million. Um, so you know they had to adjust and. And uh, the Eagles put themselves in a bad spot there in which they really had to, you know, I mean, they had to make sort of drastic moves to get back under the cap in terms of, um, you know. Yeah, uh, it doesn't help that they, the couldn't, restruct- the they, couldn't, then, just, uh, they couldn't restructure their quarterback's contract. So that doesn't help. <laughs> right, right. That would have been so, ideal. So they take, you know, uh, uh, you know a, a historic dead money hit when they trade. You know, Carson Wentz, obviously, and they, you know, restructure a lot of the veterans and, you know, they're going to be tied to those contracts for a long time down the road. They don't really have much flexibility to add guys in free agency this year. So I can't fault them for, I mean, I can, you can fault them all you want for, 
putting themselves in that situation in the first in the first place. And certainly, you know, a lot of people, myself included, included have. But in terms of what they're actually left with, in terms of what they're actually able to do this offseason in trying to help Jalen Hurts and the offense, I mean, they were limited with, with what they could do. I thought, you know, spending money on Joe Flacco was a, <laughs> was a waste, personally. Uh, but in the draft, like like you mentioned earlier, you know, they, they did draft uh, Devontae Smith, moved up to get him. That gives him, like, a legitimate potential star receiver to throw to. Uh, this year, and then you mentioned Dickerson, who's probably more of like a long-term solution along the offensive line. But uh, yeah, I think they were kind of limited with, with what they were able to do. But Devonte Smith is going to help considerably, I think, uh, in this offense. So they at least they give him that. Yeah, and they elevated the wide receiver core, kind of like when we brought in Alshon Jeffrey. You have that true yeah. wide receiver one type threat. Um, I know a lot of people didn't look at Alshon Jeffrey in the Eagles offense as a wide receiver one because Peterson's offense kind of spread the ball around, but you do as a defense have to like, you know, account for that guy on the field. So sure. if Devonte Smith is there, you know, that makes it a better opportunity for Rager on the field. You know, they're both first round picks. Um, they have different assets that they can utilize to kind of create uh, mismatches against defenses. So I think that the addition of Smith is is definitely going to elevate that core. Um, and given the fact that uh, we don't have too much to say or analyze or criticize on uh, Nick Sirianni, it seems like wide receivers are kind of his forte. So if he's able to develop these guys, that's a huge uh, deal for uh, Jalen Hurts when, you know, he has a better opportunity to get a wide open receiver. Very likely that he's going to be able to make that play. So definitely looking forward to seeing what transpires from uh, the development standpoint of uh, these young players. We have a big draft class coming in. So definitely want to see how that translates to the field. I just wanted to uh, thank you again so much for coming onto the show today, Jimmy. Uh, That is all we have time for today. So listeners, please go check out Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. If you haven't already, give him a follow. Go check his his stick figure masterpieces out and make sure to read his work on phillyvoice.com. As we turn our focus to... Philadelphia Eagles 2021 season and put the 2020 season behind us. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the Eagles Unfiltered podcast and fly Eagles fly. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.